regardless of what others may have told you, that I believe everybody is created by God with unique passions, talents, skills, ability, and personality that make something very special about who you are. And when you are doing that thing that you are made to do, nobody brings value to the world around them the way that you do. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Our co-host today is John Dennis from SmartTimeOnline.com. Hey, John. Hey, Jared. Good to be here. Thanks, man. I'm excited because one of the people that you and I look up to, and we've talked about this, is Joel Kahn, and he's on the show today. He's our guest. Joel is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, public speaker, social media evangelist, and mobile marketing innovator, as well as a leading authority on new media marketing tactics. With over 18 years of internet business experience, Joel has found success in multiple niches. Corporations, small to medium-sized businesses, and entrepreneurs trust him for sound, practical advice, and creative thinking. Joel, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, and this is like the Triple J show, right? We got Jared, John, and Joel here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. So, Joel, you may or may not know this, but I start off every podcast asking the same question. So, our icebreaker is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Best concert was probably a Genesis concert back in around, I want to say, 1980. It was probably on the Abacab tour, and now I'm really dating myself. And they played one of uh, Genesis's epic pieces called Supper's Ready from the Foxtrot album. It's a 25-minute piece that was written when Peter Gabriel was with them in 1972. And they pulled that out, and the place went nuts, and it was just incredible. Oh, I'm sure that was. Man, so you've seen a lot of good shows, so oh, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah, I've got a uh, an envelope full of ticket stubs. I thought one day I'm going to pull them down and take pictures and put them all up on Facebook so everybody could walk down memory lane on all the great shows that uh, used to be out there. Awesome. All right, so Joel, let's go into blank versus blank. We'll give you a couple of options, and if you'd be willing to pick one and a short reason why. John, would you kick us off? Absolutely. So which is more fun for you, Joe, having a JBL Pulse Bluetooth speaker portable party or opening a loot crate? You know, I think the JBL Pulse is going to win on this thing because the loot crate Uh is that one-time thrill of seeing what's in there, and half the time it's disappointing, but (laughs) the Pulse is a party everywhere you go. (laughs) Well said. All right, let's do finish this sentence, Joel. I'll give you the beginning of a sentence, and if you could finish it, the sentence is, 50 looks like blank. Awesome. 50 looks like awesome. Yeah. So you just had a birthday. Congratulations. I did. Yeah. I just turned 50 and I feel better now than I did at 40 and really looking forward to what this next decade is going to bring. What's the secret to feeling good, Joel? You know, I think a, you have to really be able to embrace who you are with all your flaws, right? And then take care of yourself in all aspects. That's physically, emotionally, spiritually. I think if you're honest with yourself and others around you and accepting of yourself, you can pretty much handle whatever life throws your way. 
Yeah, I got to say, you look great. You sound great. I love the new version of Joel Comp. Not that I didn't like the old version of Joel Yeah, we hate that guy. <laughs> what, that, that guy was a piece of, yeah. No, I'm pretty happy with Joel 2.0 as well. And, you know, it, it's an, an evolution. It doesn't stop. And that doesn't mean that there's not hard days and days that I'd, you know, rather just put behind me. But it's a different perspective. You know, you start to understand as people get older, you've got one of two paths you can go where you stay young at heart, which I am, you know, I, if you've seen me speak or, or teach, you know that I'm pretty much just an overgrown kid on stage. Or, you know, you, you let life make you bitter. And I just, I don't want to become a grumpy old man. I want to stay youthful and still be listening to the same music and enjoying my JBL pulse, you know, when I'm 80 or 90 years old. <laughs> As you should. Well, the next fill-in-the-blank question is, my favorite thing about clout is... Well, can I just hate on clout for a moment? Absolutely. Uh, Because I'm really not happy with the direction they've taken with being a content curation site. I think that they've lost sight of what they were initially trying to do, and they could be improving on how they do what, you know, made them stand out. And I think what they've done is made it so pricey for businesses to offer perks that they're not doing it. And so the perks that are being offered are lousy perks perks, like early access to a new show on Hulu. Who gives a, you know, it's (laughs) awful. So I'm not a fan of the content curation. Uh, What I like about it is it's still the best measurement we have for social influence. And of course, that there's a lot lacking and there's a lot flawed in that model, but it's still the best that we have. I would agree. I don't like the direction they're going with this new model myself, and I don't pay too much attention. Every so often, I'll get on there and I'll kind of poke around and look to see how my score is doing and others. But I will say, I think I got the best perk yesterday. It was for the new Gillette Razor. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, finally. Uh, It's a commercial on Hulu for the Razor, actually. (laughs) Yeah, right. Listen, any material perk, I think, is a good perk because it's something free that, you know, a company is paying to have delivered and offered to you. And I like that. You know, I liked my little Hershey's chocolate sauce perk that I got. It's a little Hershey's spread in a jar. The best perk that I got was from American Airlines when they gave people with a clout score of 50 or higher a pass for a free day in their Admirals Club at the airport. And funny thing was I never got to use it because I fly United out of Denver, but it's still a cool perk. Yeah, definitely. Joel, would you be willing to share your cloud score? Yeah, it's pretty much out there in public information. It's an 83. All right. It's not like you have to dig too far to figure that one out. We wanted to test your humility. Good job. (laughs) Did I pass? (laughs) You did. So, Joel, Twitter, let's talk a little social media. Twitter's changed a ton since you wrote the book on it. And so I'm just curious. We're curious. What are some of your likes and dislikes about the current version of Twitter? Because I remember you were a very enthusiastic early adopter of Twitter, a supporter. And so just curious, what are some of your likes and dislikes about this new version? When you say new version, Twitter at its core hasn't changed since it launched. You still have 140 characters to say what you want to say. And it's evolved a bit in that the structure of the site, the look and feel has changed. And they've added things like lists and embedding pictures so that you see them on the site. But really, the core of Twitter remains the same. They haven't made major changes. They're more cosmetic than anything. And I still believe it's very important for 
for businesses to be using it in the social realm to engage and connect with their customers. According to Twitter, there's 200 million people that are using Twitter every day. Now, I'm not quite sure if I believe those numbers aren't somehow padded. I'm not saying they're lying, but I'm wondering what they're counting as active users. But it's obviously, you know, it's ingrained in our culture now. You see tweets on broadcast TV and in uh, movies and in uh, newspapers. So it's ubiquitous. And I think it's here to stay. Personally, I use Facebook more for engagement with my audience, but I still think Twitter is a powerful tool and businesses neglect it at their own peril. Yeah. You know, I remember being on a live webinar with you. I think it was a live stream hangout and you were talking about Twitter. You said something about it being popular. You were saying, keep an eye out for what they do with Twitter because it's going to blow up. And you had that prediction spot on. Well, sometimes I get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Joel, what do you say to that person? It's like, oh, there's so much automation. There's so much links. And oh, my goodness. Like, what do you say to that person who's not had the best Twitter experience? I say not sure how to have the best Twitter experience. Yeah. Well, I say at first, yes, you're right. There is a ton of automation and there is a ton of spammy links. And if they don't know how to use it, then I say, get my book, Twitter Power, and it'll show you how to use it. Because you don't have to be inundated with useless links. You don't have to follow people that are you know, not creating value and engaging in conversation. You get to choose what your stream looks like and who appears on it. Yeah. Yep. Because of uh, Twitter staying true to their core, a lot of what you've written in Twitter Power is still true to this day. Well, it is, but it's been four years, and I'll actually announce it here first, though. It's not a sealed deal yet. We're in final negotiations with John Wiley and Son to do a completely revised and updated Twitter Power 3.0. Wow. Excellent. Is that a Star of the Doubts exclusive? You heard it here first, literally. <laughs> oh. we're, just, we're in the final phases of getting the contract in order. So uh, Outstanding. hopefully we'll do that. Like I say, it's been four years and I'm bringing in a prolific co-author to join me on this next one and already brainstorming some ideas that actually woke me up very early this morning to market it in a creative way. I was looking at the numbers via my publisher, and it is still the best-selling book on Twitter in the world. In fact, Twitter Power has sold almost three times as many copies as the next best-selling book on Twitter. Wow. So that's a clue. (laughs) All right. So can you mention who your co-author is? Uh, Yeah, his name is Dave Taylor. Dave is another internet old-timer, been doing this for a couple decades, and if you'll look him up on Amazon.com, he's written a lot of books in the tech sector over the years, and he's a really good friend of mine, lives here in Boulder, not too far from where I am in Denver, and we've wanted to collaborate on a project for a long time, and uh, it's just a really good fit. Excellent. So, Joel, I want to go back to something you mentioned in the beginning of the show, and that was how you've seen good days and you've seen some not so good days. So you've had some really cool opportunities and great successes, and then you've had those challenging seasons as well. How do you manage handling different types of problems in the various areas of your businesses? The biggest challenges really in life are not just business. They're personal, they're relational, they're internal, they're personal growth. And I think depending how you handle those things internally is going to dictate how you handle the problems in your business, right? What we do 
with that around us is really tied to how we handle that which is within us. And I don't mean to get all esoteric and, and ethereal about it, but I think, you know, if you have a center and you understand your core and where you're coming from in life, what your approach is, where your foundation is and what you will and won't do, what kind of boundaries you set for yourself, what you will accept, what you won't, it's having a healthy self-respect. And so when those business challenges arise, I think they stem from the character who you are to begin with. I'm not sure if that answers your question or not, but I felt like it needed to be said. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I would have to believe that, you know, go back several years ago, you had a lot of success. And I would believe you had a foundation then. Has your foundation changed from then to now? You know, I think my perspective has changed. I think that I take things more in stride now. I think it's far less important for me to be successful in the eyes of the world than it used to be. I've made money, I've lost money, I've made money, and money comes and goes. But what I'm really concerned with is making sure that I'm bringing value, that my reputation stays stellar, and that I can enjoy the lifestyle that I do enjoy. I love being an entrepreneur and having the freedom to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, who I want to do it with. You know, that's the American dream. It's not about accumulating so much stuff. In fact, I'm totally into downsizing and getting rid of stuff. Every now and then, a little toy like the JBL Pulse comes along from the PR <laughs> firm at uh, Harmon, and, and I can't resist welcoming something new. But you know, I'll be probably moving shortly to a smaller house because I just want to have less clutter and less things in my life. Joel, what changed your perspective? Can you go back and bring us through that time point where you change your perspective? I imagine would involve something happening to where you kind of realize and say, hey, I need to take a step back and make a change. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that are just part of the process, certainly ups and downs during the years, but really it was in 2010 and I had some changes in my life personally, relationally, and in my business as well. It had just grown too big you know, staff-wise, and there was a change in the economic climate, and so things took a turn. I didn't like the way I looked and felt, and it was kind of like a perfect storm. It was kind of a wake-up call for me. As a result, over the next year, I ended up laying off my entire staff of 38. They found really great jobs, and talented people can always find a place to be. And It was great having a team like that for a time, but everything's for a season. And I sold off a couple of my larger businesses and really just kept... My my core assets, which really stemmed around me and my writing and my speaking. And I took kind of a mini sabbatical where I really went off the grid for about two years. And I just focused on taking care of myself, getting healthy physically, where I, I lost a bunch of weight, taking care of myself emotionally, where I dealt with crap in my life that needed to be dealt with, my own personal stuff, and uh, worked on relationships with friends and family, and uh, got connected with God in a way that was significant and impactful for me. And that and was just very transformative in all areas, and it gave me a fresh perspective on who I was and what I do well, what I don't do well. It allowed me to embrace the qualities in myself that I feel are gifts that I'm supposed to use. And it also allowed me to embrace my flaws and say, wow, this is part of me is really screwed up and I'm not going to get down on myself for it. I'm just going to recognize that it's there and do my best to work to overcome those
those parts of myself that I see as beautiful deficiencies. And that has allowed me to be more honoring and forgiving and gracious with other people, less judgmental about them. And it's helped me to establish clear boundaries about what I will and won't do and what I'll allow in my life and what I won't. And that really helps to weed out unhealthy relationships and things that can bring you down and keep you from the pressure of making decisions that might not be in yours or other people's best interest. Joel, for the listener who has a lot of responsibilities and saying, I need that sabbatical, is there a way to have a sabbatical without getting rid of responsibility? It's definitely challenging. I'm really blessed and fortunate that during that period I had money so that I could take that break. You know, I like to say where there's a will, there's a way. There's a lot of people I know that are, they feel trapped in the decisions they've made. They're working the job to pay for the house that somehow they were told they needed to have. And, you know, during that time, I downsized and found myself living in, you know, an apartment for a season. And we make these choices, and I think people forget that they always have choices. That just because, you know, in the suburbs and you bought that big house with your family and you think you've got to have this, you really don't. There's people that live on a lot less, and depending upon what you really want, you have to decide what sacrifices you're willing to make. It's easy for me to say, though, because I had the convenience of having money in the bank and was able to step back and work on myself without worrying about paying my bills. It's interesting you talk about perspective and downsizing. I just watched this very inspiring short documentary. I don't know if you two have heard of it. It's called Slow Mo. And it's the story about a guy who grew up in North Carolina. He worked on a farm as a kid. He grew up, he became a neurologist and followed what you know society said he should become and lived a monetarily successful life. He had the Ferrari, he had the BMW 12-cylinder car and big mansion and everything. And he found himself bored and disinterested with his career and what he had built. And so he was in line one day at this hospital getting lunch. And there was an old gentleman standing next to him in line. He was loading up his plate full of food. And he looks over at him. He thought he'd wise up to him. He said, you know, can I ask how something along the lines of I was strapping young lad like myself can become more like you somewhere? I'm paraphrasing, but somewhere along the lines. And the guy looked at him and he said, do what you want to. And that changed my perspective. I thought that was such a powerful story. So as you talk about your story and your perspective, it reminded me of that story. And thank you so much for sharing. Your story alone has just been so inspiring to me and I'm sure many people. Well, I appreciate that. Then, you know, mission accomplished, right? Uh, If (laughs) our story can be used to uh, make an impact and a difference for somebody else, then that's what it's really all about. Our story is ours to grow into, but it's also ours to share so that it becomes somebody else's story. Joel, at what point in your sabbatical did you realize, okay, I'm ready to climb the mountain again, if that makes sense? Uh, Yeah, I kind of eased back into it in uh, early, I guess about a year ago, spring 2013, and because I'd been asked to speak, and I finally said, yeah, I think I'm ready to go out there and start sharing this new message. And so this past year, what I decided to do is rather than jump full on into anything, even though I managed to publish another book and, and launch a couple products, to me, it still didn't 
didn't feel like full on. I started going to events, whether I was invited to speak at them or whether I was just interested. And I decided that showing up and just being out in the public again, uh, reconnecting with old friends and making new friends was the single best thing I could do. And in fact, it was the single best thing I could do because people are very aware. I keep hearing from them. You know, I don't see it myself until somebody tells me, but they're like, wow, you're everywhere. You're back. You must really be crushing it. And that perception has come just from showing up. So, Joel, there's a lot of people who listen to this show who are new to the game, and I'm sure you're meeting a lot of these people at the different events and things that you're involved in. What advice do you have for that person, given your perspective and things you know that work and things that you know didn't work so well? What encouragement do you have for that listener who's starting out saying, I want to create something that's of value? Well, first of all, you have to be willing to scrap whatever it is you think your value is, right? Be willing to uh, put aside whatever training you have or what your parents told you you're supposed to do or what you went to school for. I'm not saying that that is a thing, but be willing to abandon that and figure out where your gifts really are. Where do you bring the most value? I've done consulting sessions with people who will tell me all about their site and their product and they want to grow it. And about 20, 30 minutes into the discussion, I discover that they're not really passionate about that thing they've created. Their heart beats for this other thing. And as we begin to peel, it's way more exciting to them. So make sure you know what it is you know, where you bring value to the world and go that direction and then show up, start engaging with people, get out there to live of nothing that can replace with other living, breathing human beings, nothing like it. And, and get out there and start discovering how you can help other people. And when you find out what other people need, where you can provide the solution to that need, that's where things can start taking off. Well said. In my humble and I believe correct opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. As we start to wrap up here, Joel, who is doing something that interests you? Wow, that is a really broad question. Mm-hmm. I'm watching these guys. There's a new breed of internet marketers that are doing some really fascinating things with some of the new e-commerce platforms like Teespring, like with Amazon stores, with Shopify. There's some people that time learning how to sell products on the internet. Not that we didn't have some of these platforms before, but the ways they're going about doing it are really innovative. And I'm kind of watching from the periphery what's happening in that space. So Joe, what's the best place for our listeners to connect with you online? My blog, a short break from my podcast myself, because I'm not exactly sure what direction I want to go with it. And I would rather not do anything than do it halfway and have it be convoluted. So uh, my blog is joelcom.com. It's the place to find me. Joel, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? The final thought would be, this is the end of the interview. No, the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my final thought would be that regardless of what others may have told you, that I believe everybody is created by God with unique passions, talents, skills, ability, and personality that make something very special about who you are. And when you are doing that thing that you are made to do, nobody brings value to the world around them the way that you do. And so I would encourage you to pursue that value, to embrace who you are and all your uniqueness and all your flaws. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. And don't be afraid to think differently and step outside of the established 
patterns and, and lines and boundaries that others have arbitrarily set. Go be willing to take risks, be willing to fail, because if you are, I think where you're going to find your greatest success. Joel, John, and I really appreciate your time. Best wishes to you and your family and your upcoming book about Twitter. Well, thank you very much. And I got to say, love your guys' questions. This has been one of the most engaging and fun interviews for me to do. So you can quote me on that. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Joel. All right. Have a great day, Joel. Thanks, fellas. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. biggest challenges really in life are not just business. They're personal, they're relational, they're internal, they're personal growth. And I think depending how you handle those things internally is going to dictate how you handle the problems in your business. 